This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Okay, I'm going to start this episode by asking you a seemingly simple question. Are you ready? I think you got this. In fact, I know you do. What is the meaning of Christmas? I know it sounds like a silly question, like something only people in Hallmark movies ask. And if you're a Christian, you probably knew the answer right off the top of your head. So when I picked this theme for this episode, I thought it was going to be easy. But as usual with Christianese, the rabbit hole always goes deeper than I expect. What I thought I was going to do was learn about how the early church celebrated Christmas and then trace those traditions throughout history into today. But that's not what we're doing, because what I learned about Christmas from church history turned my conception of the holiday on its head. And now, I want to share that gift with you. I'm Drew Fitzgerald, and this is Christianese. Welcome. We all know that Christmas celebrates the birth of Jesus Christ. We know the story from Luke chapter 2 with the angels and the shepherds and the wise men. And we all grew up with December 25th being not just a day on the calendar, but the culmination of an entire season of celebration, the most wonderful time of the year. But Christmas is not just celebrated by Christians. Lots of people in our culture celebrate it too. While they may not see Jesus as the reason for the season, they still do all the Christmas stuff put up lights, a Christmas tree, do Santa Claus, sing the songs, and watch the movies. And so we, the church, feel like we're welcoming our culture into our holiday. So when Christmas changes or our culture tries to reinterpret things, we become defensive. We feel as though Christmas, our holiday, is being taken away from us. But the idea that Christmas belongs to Christians before it does the culture is a relatively new perspective one that's not much older than your grandparents. For the majority of church history, Christmas has not been a popular holiday. In fact, some of the strongest opposition to celebrating Christmas has been from the church itself. Now, that might sound unusual, but the reason is because December 25th, or the winter solstice, is one of the most popular times for pagan festivals in the Northern Hemisphere. Just about every single culture the church went into had a pre-existing celebration around December 25th. And as you can imagine, church leadership wanted to stay far away from pagan celebrations rather than blending in with them. This included everything from large holidays to birthdays. The church father Origen wrote that in the scriptures only sinners celebrate their birthdays, never saints. So who started celebrating Jesus' birthday? That we don't know. We don't know when the first Christmas was celebrated, by whom, where, or really why. The first evidence that we have of Christians celebrating Christ's birth 
comes from what's called the Philocletian calendar written in 336 AD. And on it, December 25th is noted as the birth of Christ in Bethlehem, Judea. But why, if church leadership opposed birthdays, would Christ's birthday be noted? And why, when all of the evidence from scripture and history tells us that Jesus was probably born in the spring, were some Christians observing Christ's birthday on December 25th, the winter solstice? While we don't know for sure, it seems likely that the Christians who started celebrating Christ's birth were those who grew up celebrating birthdays, Roman Gentile Christians. It also seems likely that they began celebrating on December 25th because they had already grown up with a habit of celebrating the birth of the sun on that day. December 25th was a Roman holiday called Sol Invictus, the unconquerable sun. It was one of the primary holidays in Roman society. And leading up to that holiday was a three-week festival called Saturnalia, a festival that one Roman poet called the most wonderful time of the year, marked by gift-giving, feasting, and singing songs house to house. But Saturnalia was not tame. Seneca famously wrote that Saturnalia was a time when the Roman mob would give itself over to pleasure, and the Roman historian Pliny had to build himself a soundproof room just so he could continue reading and writing during Saturnalia. It's common to read in history books that the church started celebrating the nativity or the birth of Christ as counter-programming to Saturnalia and Sol Invictus. But there's no evidence that celebrating Christ's birth was a top-down decision. If anything, it looks as though ordinary Christians were taking part in a cultural holiday, possibly to redeem it. That instead of celebrating the birth of the sun with the sun cult, they chose to celebrate the true unconquerable sun. Jesus Christ, and the light that he brings into the world on the darkest day of the year. Looking back, it's pretty easy to justify Christians celebrating the birth of Christ alongside a pagan holiday, but that is not at all how the early church saw this celebration. Church leaders both in Rome and throughout the Near East did not like the manner in which Christ's birth was celebrated. It wasn't reverent enough. It was too frivolous, too merry and far too closely associated with the licentious practices of the pagan Saturnalia. But that didn't stop the celebration of Christ's birth. There's very little that we know about it for the next 300 years, until the Council of Tours in 567, when church leadership officially puts the celebration of the birth of Christ on the church calendar. And this did two things. First of all, it gave the churches approval for the celebration of Christ's birth around the winter solstice. And second, it told every single Christian that celebrating Christ's birth at this time was a part of their regular habit of annual worship. And what's really important to note here is that the church leadership is not creating counter-programming for whatever pagan holiday is on the winter solstice. Instead, this implicitly encourages Christians to celebrate alongside winter solstice celebrations in whatever culture they may be in. And the church adds some things. There's the liturgy, and eventually in the 14th century, the church adds Advent, a time of reflection and fasting before Christmas. But from the 6th century throughout the Middle Ages, the Feast of the Nativity takes place in concert with cultural pagan winter solstice celebrations. And as a result, Christmas picks up a lot of the symbols and traditions of pagan winter celebrations. 
It often then repurposes them and points them back towards Christ, but the vast majority of our Christmas tradition comes from outside of the church. As we've already noted, Saturnalia gave us some of the traditions of Christmas, the caroling, the feasting, the gift giving, eating pastries shaped like people, and even decorating our homes with garlands and wreaths. But the contributions of Saturnalia to Christmas can't hold a candle to Yule, the Germanic pagan winter solstice celebration. Over the 12 days of Yule, celebrants would hope to entice the sun to return by burning an entire tree. And it is at this time of year that the All-Father Odin would fly through the sky on his six-legged horse. It's from this holiday, which admittedly doesn't sound much like Christmas at all, that we get Christmas trees, the idea of Santa Claus and his 12 reindeer, lighting candles in our windows, and not surprisingly, the Yule log. While Germany contributed most of the symbols of Christmas, it's England that really defines the tenor. In the 19th century under Queen Victoria, Christmas becomes a family celebration. Stories like A Christmas Carol defined what it meant to have the Christmas spirit. But these weren't Christian stories. Charles Dickens saw Christmas as the one thing opposing the cold market and the effects of industrialism on the English people. Giving to those in need, spending time with the people you love, and enjoying Christmas was a way of holding back the negative market forces. Christmas was less about Christ and more so about maintaining our humanity. If you took away everything that Saturnalia, Yule, and British society gave to the celebration of Christmas, there wouldn't be much left to us that looked, or maybe even felt, like Christmas. And it's hard to imagine that with those symbols, with the sense of family, and charity, and kindness, and love, that the church would oppose Christmas celebrations. Well, us Protestants are full of surprises. Between the Reformation and about the middle of the 19th century, Christmas was very much a drunken party. Like, just think of the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. It's kind of become a meme now because who wants 184 birds and a legion of performers to show up at their house? Nobody. But back in the day, you weren't keeping those birds, you were eating them. And the pipers piping and the drummers drumming, that's what was making the Lord sleep and the ladies dance. It was a party. And on the church side of things, all of the liturgy and the worship was very Catholic. So when the Protestants came around, they looked at Christmas and on the one hand saw a party full of sin and on the other hand saw the Pope's influence. So it's really not a surprise that Oliver Cromwell's Puritan Parliament outlawed Christmas for being too Catholic or that the Puritans in Boston outlawed Christmas for being too pagan. You could be fined five shillings just for walking through Boston with too cheerful an attitude around Christmas. And yeah, we can look back at the Puritans and say they were so terrible, but Protestants didn't accept Christmas after the Puritans left. Up until the Civil War, Baptists and Presbyterians did not celebrate Christmas at all. There's evidence that Presbyterians didn't start celebrating Christmas until they noticed their parishioners were leaving to celebrate Christmas at the Episcopalian Church down the street. And it took the Southern Baptist Convention until 2008 to sign a referendum saying it's okay to use the term Christmas in public conversation 
instead of calling the 25th the holiday or the winter solstice. Now I know that sounds crazy. It did to me too, because I grew up going to my grandparents' Baptist church on Christmas Eve for their Christmas pageant. But just think about the historical record and how the church has approached Christmas. It is not something that we have brought to the culture. Rather, it is something that ordinary Christians bring into their spiritual habit. Everything from celebrating birthdays to bringing Christmas trees into their homes came from outside of the church. And those images, those symbols, were then reinterpreted through a Christian lens to make them point towards Christ. Now, why does all of this matter? Because by and large, we look at Christmas as our thing that the culture is trying to take away from us. When in reality, December 25th is and has been a cultural holiday that the church has entered into and reinterpreted. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong. Quite the opposite. I think celebrating Christmas is absolutely what we should be doing, but our perspective of it probably does need to shift. We aren't welcoming people into our holiday. We're going to them with a new message for the holiday. If you grew up in the United States, you are probably, to some degree, disconnected from the culture of your family of origin. If you've got European background like I do, you're probably completely disconnected from your culture of origin. So when we bring those cultural symbols and the iconography of those cultures into our Christmas celebrations, we don't feel like they're from the far-flung pagan past. We feel like they're ours. And because our Christmas celebrations are completely detached from any form of native winter solstice, our society looks at the Christmas tree candles on the advent wreath, presents under the tree, and doesn't know why they're there. And to be fair, there's a lot of symbols that we don't know why they're there either. In the United States, we don't have a winter solstice. We simply have the holidays, full of traditions and symbols that are divorced from their original meanings. So it's not surprising that a lot of people look at Christmas and say, what does it mean? And in our culture that in some ways revels in nihilism or in self-determination, the answer to that question is almost obviously there is no meaning of Christmas beyond the meaning that you give to it. And in many ways, it's a contradictory holiday that celebrates hope, joy, love, and peace in a society and in a time that seem to exhibit anything but. Christmas can bring out the best in our charitable giving but it can also exhibit the absolute worst of our materialism. It's a holiday that can bring families together or highlight the fact that our families aren't together. It can be the most wonderful time of the year or the most depressing time of the year. So I'm going to ask the question I asked at the beginning of this podcast again. What is the meaning of Christmas? It's not a new question. Charlie Brown asked it in the 1960s. Charles Dickens asked it in the 1860s. And the church has been trying to answer it since the 560s. But how should we answer that question? 
The purpose of Christmas is to celebrate the birth of Christ. But what does it mean for the world? What does his birth mean on the darkest day of the year? What does his birth mean in a dark and chaotic time? While the birth of Christ is the fulfillment of many, many prophecies, it is not the culmination of God's redemptive work. It is simply that foretaste, that sign that God is going to fulfill his promises. And then over the life of Christ, he lives the life we couldn't live. Then he dies the death that we all deserve and was resurrected so that we might live alongside of him. Christmas is just the beginning. And what it means is that people can have hope. Not wishful thinking, but true hope that won't fail. It means that people can have joy even in the darkest circumstances. It means that we are loved by God and should therefore love one another in the same way that God has loved us. And it is a clarion call for peace. Not that there's peace on earth today, but to quote my favorite Christmas song, God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong will fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth and goodwill towards men. I believe our role in Christmas is not to build walls to protect ourselves from the culture, but to play the same role that Christians have always played in winter solstice holidays, to enter into those celebrations in hopes of redeeming them or pointing people towards Jesus. We play the same role that the angels played in Luke chapter 2. We go to those who have not known Christ and say, we bring you good news and tidings of great joy for all people. The history of Christmas is not what I thought it would be. But if anything, that's made me rethink the way that I celebrate it. I'm not getting rid of my Christmas tree or my garlands or the parties that I have with friends or the ugly Christmas sweater that I wear. I'm just seeing it all in kind of a new light. That all of these are symbols that point back to Jesus. And the best thing that I can do is to follow the habit of Christmas in proclaiming the coming King. Christmas should be big, it should be joyous, it should be bright, it should be fun, because it all celebrates the King who has come to us. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas, and I'll see you in the new year with more episodes of Christianese. Merry Christmas. This has been a production of Fathom Magazine. To find out more, check out fathommag.com. This episode was brought to you in part by the Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.